Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Our podcasts are made possible thanks to our sponsor, Store My Tumor. Your preserved tumor contains the most important information about your cancer. Store My Tumor provides live tumor preservation and coordination of advanced diagnostics and personalized immunotherapies. Thank you, Store My Tumor, for supporting us. Hi, friends. Laura here. We are recording live from the American Cancer Society's Relay for Life in Portland, Oregon. Relay for Life is a fundraising event supporting all cancers. Hundreds of people have gathered here today and have committed to having at least one person per team walk the track for the next 24 hours. The idea is that no matter what, rain or shine, cancer doesn't sleep. This physical representation is a powerful one, and we are thrilled to be hosting our podcast, Breast Cancer Conversations, live from Relay, where we turn the conversations to all cancers. In this episode, we speak to those who have been touched by melanoma, lymphoma, bone cancer, breast cancer, esophageal cancer, kidney cancer, and more. You will hear lively music keeping people motivated as they walk laps around the track. You will hear people share their experiences with cancer from both the patient and the caregiver's perspective. And most importantly, you will feel inspired and empowered. Every single one of the people that we spoke with were smiling. You can hear it in their voices. These are not stories of sorrow and sympathy. These are the voices of cancer letting you know that we will not sleep until we find the cure. Welcome to the conversation. Uh, my name is Cassie Martin, and I am a 21-year Relay for Life participant. I am currently on the executive leadership team for the Greater Portland Relay for Life, and uh, I've been on the leadership team for a little over 10 years now. Uh, I started because a friend of mine uh, got leukemia, and uh, we didn't know what to do. We were all lost, and so we kind of joined Relay very early. And I was a junior participant, and then I moved on, and I've stuck with it. Uh, my baby sister. Uh, is in leadership as well in a different uh, county in Oregon. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, cancer hit us even harder by my my aunt first getting cancer and uh, sadly passing away from it. And then my mom, a month later, got cancer and she had to battle this directly after her sister, her baby sister just passed away. So um, I can't wait for you guys to hear my parents. Uh, they're going to come talk later this evening. They're getting ready to celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary tomorrow. And um, my mom loves celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, so we're doing a huge party. And a lot of it will be reaffirmations of what we do uh, for Relay and for ACS to make sure there are more birthdays out there and there are more anniversaries. So that's our story, and I hope you get to hear more later. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. So you're um, from Stanford's? Yes, Stanford's Restaurant and Bar. Yes. Excellent. And um, you're here at Relay today. Yes. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved. Well, we met uh, Angela and Alicia uh, during one of our Chamber of Commerce meetings. Um, we were there speaking about our restaurant. They were ter- they're talking about the American Cancer Society. So we kind of got together and started talking, and they told us about Relay. And we were really looking for something to kind of participate in at that time. So we sounded, sounded like a great great idea to get involved, and we're, we're so happy we did. It's been fantastic. So wonderful experience. Please tell me your name, where you're from, why you're here. Okay, I'm Donna Burnett and I'm from here in Portland, Oregon and I'm here to support my daughter 
Angela Burnett, excuse me, Angela Duncan Burnett, <laughs> or Burnett Duncan. <laughs> anyway, she's our daughter, and this is my husband, Lance, <laughs> and we're here to support her, and um, also Alicia Duncan as well, too. And um, basically, my husband is a survivor at, from uh, skin cancer, and I'm a, a caregiver. Oh, so you're a caregiver. Excellent. Yes. On yes. so many levels then, too, because you have uh -huh. um, Alicia and Angela yeah. as well. Yeah. And is this your first Family. time doing Relay? No, we've been here quite a few years supporting um, Angela because she's been involved in it for so long. Do you have any tips for other caregivers out there? Um, it's definitely a hard job. It is. It's very hard. I think getting support um, for themselves, taking care of themselves and... We know some other caregivers that take care of others, and just the one thing that I've noticed in them is that they need support just as much as the person who's going through and, and you know, is the survivor, you know, but they, they need the support, too, of other friends and family and, and to um, not feel that they're isolated, that they can get help from others. Find out what services are available for caregivers, because there are services out there for them too. Absolutely, know. and that's one of the things our nonprofit does. Um, okay. We're part of survivingbreastcancer.org. Uh -huh. I started the nonprofit when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and mm -hmm. William was my caregiver. Okay. So one part of our organization does focus on that caregiver piece, uh -huh. just like the American Cancer Society, which is why you're here too. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, at two o'clock, if you guys are around, William's uh -huh. going to be doing the presentation, okay. kicking off um, right before the survivors lap. Uh -huh. So um, he, I think he's actually going to talk about a lot of the similar things that you just okay. said because mm -hmm. it's so important. That mm -hmm. they're taken care of as well, so that the caregivers have the energy sure. to be able to like be rejuvenated as well, uh -huh. That's and right. you know help the person going mm -hmm. through treatment. Sure, mm -hmm. excellent. Well, thank you yes. for your story. Okay. I'd love You're to talk to your husband if he's open sure. to it. Sure, sure. Tell me your name. I'm Lance Burnett. Where are you from? Portland, Oregon. Excellent. And why are you here today? I come here every year to support uh, Angela and Alicia. I walk in the survivors deal. I survived a little bit of cancer, some Mohs surgery and so forth. Every time I come here, I don't know whether I want to feel like crying or smiling. There's so many, so many other people that have had it 20 times worse than I have. And it's, it's, you gotta, if we don't support them, who will? It's sad, but it's also good to see the survivors. The ones that are walking proud and been through the worst of it, like Alicia. Uh, when she goes in every year for another checkup, she's always petrified. And that's when she needs her supporters the most. Because I don't know what would happen if it came back on her. Your name, where you're from, and why you're here. Angela Duncan, and from Portland, Oregon. And I am the event leader for Relay for Life of Portland. Oh wow, how long have you been doing that? Um, so I've been involved with Relay for eight years now. Um, I started out just as a team, just a participant coming in, uh, and then I just kind of worked my way up, and now I'm event lead. So I've been doing event lead now. This is my second year on my own running wow. the show. Yeah. Congratulations. It's Thanks. a big event to put on, so I it can is. imagine. Um, so you must be very proud and excited today. I am so proud. Just the, the everybody, the community, the motivation out here, everybody's in a great mood, the weather. And uh, yeah, we couldn't ask for a better day. I started out with Basil, and he cared for me. 
and we thought I was going to lose my right eye. It started out him as my caregiver and finished as me as his caregiver. And every day we would say, I love you in the morning and that I'll be home soon. And we'd finish the day with, I love you and have a good night. Okay, um, this is for you. Honestly. <laughs> I'm Haley, I'm from Vancouver, Washington. So I had a red mole on my arm and me and my sister were playing tag in the house one day and like her nail just went under it and it started bleeding and my dad's like, okay, like we've had enough because it got caught on stuff a lot of times. And so we went in to go get it removed and they called us back and they were like, hey, like she has skin cancer, we have to go to surgery. So I got surgery, I think like a week later. And this is my 10th year being cancer free, yeah. I'm Maddie Owe and I'm from all over the place. Um, so I'm from Virginia and then California and then Oregon. I've been participating in Relay for Life events since 2009 in college um, in Boston. And I relay uh, mainly for my parents. My mom had breast cancer um, three times. She's a survivor. Um, and then my dad had lymphoma and he's also a survivor. Um, and then I relay because I feel like every year I meet and more people who are diagnosed with cancer or people I know are diagnosed with cancer and so I just keep coming out and participating in the event. When, you, when your mother was first diagnosed with breast cancer, how old were you? Um, I was, so I was, it's a great question. I was not, it was 2009. I was 19 when my dad was diagnosed and then 20 when my mom was diagnosed. Okay, and then since you've been 20, your mother was diagnosed like two more times? Yes. How does that even happen? Um, so she was diagnosed originally with stage 2 breast cancer, um, and I was in college, and so I didn't really get to experience the caregiver part as much because she wanted me to stay in college in Boston, and she was in San Francisco. Um, and then almost three years later, she had stage 3 breast cancer because I guess they found it in lymph nodes that were near the breast. Um, and so by then, I was home from college. Um, so that was probably like 23-ish. Um, and so... I went on leave from work and took her to chemo and radiation and everything like that. Um, but she had to have surgery to remove all the lymph nodes on the left side of her arm and whatnot. Um, and so that was definitely an interesting experience for her and for me because she, I think she, because she, it was the same type of cancer a second time, they gave her more aggressive chemo. Um, so it's a little unpleasant. And then the next time she was diagnosed, I was actually in Portland um, and it was just a different type completely. So like the first two were related and the next one was just a completely different type, but it was, they basically said it was barely stage one. It was probably stage zero. Oh, okay. So it's not like the first type uh, metastasized. No. Yeah. Cause okay. they were worried at first and then they were worried when they were, when they realized what type it was too. They were worried that it, I think it was one that doesn't really respond well to chemo. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were potentially gonna have to do a double mastectomy and things like that. And so um, but then when I guess they went in and took it out, it was a lot smaller and it hadn't spread to like the, the margins were clear and everything. So Excellent. she was good with that. And then they did a lot of genetic tests afterwards too, um, yes. to see. And so I think she was like negative or whatever on all the tests, except one where they don't really know a lot about it. Sure. So yeah. Yeah, I did the genetics testing as well. And, um, some of the, the genes came back like inconclusive. Yeah. I think that's and what you're I was just doing. like, 
okay, like, gray area already. Like, yeah. You know, there has to be a reason why people are getting um, breast cancer and so many other cancers yeah. as well if it's not genetic. Um, an, inter- an interesting statistic that I heard specifically for breast cancer is that only 10% of breast cancer diagnoses are genetically related. That leaves 90% to all other, like, yeah. environmental fa- factors, which, again, is horrifying. Yeah, so it's, it's a little scary. And I know even at my job, because um, I started a job, well, now I've been there a year, exactly. Um, but two of my department's, like, eight people, and two of those people have had breast cancer. And it's not genetic or anything. So, and it's, and then, it, you know, I threw Relay for Life because people ask what you do in your spare time sure. and Relay for Life yes. and hang out with my cat. Um, and definitely, I feel like I talk to people and a lot of them have had breast cancer or thyroid cancer or something. And it's like so many different people where you can't, like the list, you, I get, I try to make luminaria bags for people and then I like can't make it for everyone because Absolutely. it's too many. Um, I don't know if you remember in Boston, there was always like the, um, PMC challenge. It was like the 200 mile bike uh, ride, yeah. like from like Western Mass all the way down to like the Cape. Yeah. And one of my friends was raising funds for um, one of the major hospitals, and she had little like ribbons, um, maybe not ribbons, like little like tags, like yeah. going off of her bike jersey. She must have had like 35 of them because oh she just knew so many people with yeah. cancer. And she was like, "This is why I'm riding." So when my mom got it a third time, I had asked my doctor, um, and she said that since my mom was te- is considered postmenopausal, although I think that she hadn't actually gone through menopause, but whatever. I guess with how the ages were, they said I didn't need to worry about it at this moment because I had also been like, do I need to start getting mammograms earlier? Um, and they said no. But the thing is, is also that a lot of the people I know who have been surprised about who've gotten breast cancer have, don't have it in the family and they're in their 30s or early 40s. My mom is always terrified, especially because my dad's hasn't come back, so he's probably almost 10 or 10 years um, since cancer so yeah Um, but my mom since hers has come back and you know then it came back as a different type I think she's always worried that if there's something some weird pain or something off that she has cancer again Mm -hmm. Um, that's very natural yeah like I've talked to so many women where it's like well if I had it once like why wouldn't it happen again yeah right and you're like I remember even myself i I have like a sore throat, which I feel yeah. like, super annoyed about because I'm like coughing and like. Yeah. The first thought is like, oh my god, did it go to my lungs? Did it spread? Yeah. And I was like, well, if it wasn't the breast cancer that spread, what could it be? Lung cancer? And like, you know, I'm talking to my oncologist and just asking, like, you know, I need a CT scan now because something must be wrong. Yeah. He's like, Laura, it's called allergies, and you'll be fine. Like, take some Claritin. You start off with um your name and where you're from. Oh, uh, my name's Helen Tremblay. Uh, originally, I'm from California, but I lived in Washington for 17 years, and now I'm retired and live down here in Forest Grove. Excellent. And what brings you out to Relay today? Well, I've been involved up in Washington. I was involved. I had cancer in 2008. What type uh, of cancer? Breast. Oh, okay. And had one breast taken off and had chemo and had radiation and had Herceptin afterwards, had the whole nine yards. Yes. Um, but when I recover and when I got better I hooked up with the relay uh, the American Cancer Society up in Washington and I got involved with them so now that I moved here I mean I did road to recovery I did reach to recovery I did the relays I did strides yeah plus I would do I go to the office and work with them any the jobs they had for me to do so I worked a lot with them but when I came up here I lost touch because sure. you're from Portland they're in Portland 
and I'm way down in Forest Grove, which is quite a drive, so, and kind of scary because I don't know Portland. Sure, <laughs> so. yeah, coming to the city, huh? <laughs> I live in small towns. I like small towns. She's got a very infectious smile. I know, we're all like smiling over here. You yes. Up the room. Oh. oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so and when I had cancer, my sister, who got it three years before me, she didn't make it. So I vowed to her that I was going to work with the Cancer Society after I got better and was, I'm giving back. Excellent. Did your sister this. have um, breast cancer? Yeah, she had breast cancer on the other side. Oh my gosh. Is it hereditary in your family? Well, we had a gene thing. I did a test because I've got daughters. Yes. And they were concerned because they're now in that age. So, but they, it's not genetic. None okay. of it. My mother had cancer. She had three cancers before bone cancer finally took her at 56 years old. Wow. My sister got cancer at 56, but she died four years later. I got cancer three years later and at 56. I think about it all the time. Does it ever go away? Like, do you always think about it? Or being 10 years out, I mean, you're smiling, you're looking great, you're healthy, you're working out. Like, it gets better? Like, there's hope there, right? Well, it, it, it's in the back of my mind, always, right? But it's like I had this side taken off because I didn't want another breast cancer. Yes. I was afraid that I wouldn't catch it, and I was lucky to catch it. So, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, you always live with it because I always have the reminder, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always there. But I try to make it a positive, always try to find something positive with it. And, and so when I think about it, like I do the relays and I do strides and, I yeah, do, you know, and I'm getting hooked back up with ACS up here. Uh, those things are a positive thing that, that comes from it. Exactly. So yeah, you think about it, but I'm, I'm making it an incentive to go and do, right? Excellent. I'm not afraid, but I know it's real. Exactly. <laughs> But, and so you have an interesting story too because you opted not for reconstruction. I they tried, but the radiation damaged the tissue here. Yes. So if you can see, it, this is all sunken in. Well, this is all flat. It's just, they just okay. took off the breast. But here, the radiation damaged the tissue. Oh. So it sunk in. I tried for a couple years. I tried doing that, and it just got. The, the things were getting pushed and it was uncomfortable. After yeah. a while it got to be uncomfortable. So, but the pool, there's a weird little story. It was all sunken in before, really sunken in, like it hurt sometimes. Wow. I stretch my arm or something. Yeah. But then when I started doing the pool, doing the exercises, they make me work all this upper yes, body. Yes, swim stroke and everything. Yeah, Gosh. and it's getting better. It's less, it's actually, Wow. Like, I, I tease people, I tell them I'm growing another one because it's a little, it's actually come out. It's come oh, that's out wonderful. now. So it's not so painful. It's like now. good physical therapy right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. That kind of, and I didn't know that would happen when I started the pool thing. Right. <laughs> that's good for our listeners to know. Right. Yes. It's like amazing. And I also right. hear swimming is great for lymphedema also. Um, yeah. No, I, I never had that. I was really lucky because mm -hmm. my mom did. Okay. So, and my sister did, but I never did. I don't know why. That's great. But I didn't. But they stopped it here, and they took all the all the lymph nodes. All the, all mine too. They took all of them. Yeah, it's safer. Right? Exactly. You don't want to have the guy told the doctor said you know you don't want to one little cell exactly. that gets left in there. We we gotta get it all out. So, but mine mine encapsulated. So 
it didn't go beyond. Oh, it only okay. stayed in the lymph node, and that's it. So when they took out the whole lymph node, so yeah. that helped to know that I'd be cancer-free. Yes. At least, you know. I mean, I understand cancer can happen to anybody, and it can happen again. Of course. I know, but you have to stay positive. You have to stay positive, right. You can't let that stop you. Like I said, it's an incentive for me. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to do everything I can. Uh, I'm a survivor, eight, eight years and two months. And uh, I just want to let people know there's survivors out there. Uh, it was caused from acid reflux, and uh, I went through the courses of treatment and with a good support system, my spouse and family members. And uh, I don't know what else to say on that. <laughs> they, they had to do uh, four treatments of chemo at one week apiece. I had a chemo port in my chest. And I did 25 days of radiation in parallel with the chemo and uh, a resection of my stomach. So they took half my stomach and 80% of the esophagus to have a clear, uh, clear cut on the cancer away from my body. I, my vision's compromised, has been all my life. So I, can ri I can't drive in the winter because of dark. I can drive in the daytime, but not dark. So I pedal. I know that um, even in our community, which is typically the breast cancer community, we're discovering and we're detecting, uh, we're screening earlier, even though the guidelines don't call for mammograms before 40, um, but we're, we're really part of a, a network that's trying to educate young women as to, and as a matter of fact, it, it affects men as well, but on a minor sense, uh, it affects men. It's one out of eight women, and we're just educating them to know their body, and, and uh, a number of, of organizations like ours uh, prescribes um, uh, breast self-examinations once a month so that they're, they're pretty comfortable with seeing what's going on with their bodies, and if they detect something, have it checked. And uh, when you start screening early, sometimes you do get a, a false positive or whatever, but um, typically we'd rather make that mistake and, and have the get a jump on any type of actual uh, breast cancer. And, and uh, uh, so from that perspective, um, uh, your, your words of uh, wisdom with regards to um, communicating and, and to know uh, uh, how to really help and how to how to serve your loved one or or a family member or your friend that uh, is suffering from a, some kind of a chronic debilitating disease so um, I want to thank you very much for stopping by and, and saying hi and seeing what we do and and offering hope to um, to fellow caregivers and to fellow survivors because it's one big community as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, yes, I'm, it is. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. So mm -hmm. last words for uh, the audience. Uh, just uh, stay, stay positive. Things get better. Things will get better. You'll have your ups and downs, and you'll have the valleys, and you'll have the hill, hills and valleys. And stay positive, stay strong, uh, you know, never, never give up. And I guess the last the last note on that was um, typically they they tell it's prescribed for a, for a caregiver to make sure that they don't forget to take care of themselves. Too. Right, you have to take care of yourself because that was that was my that was my downfall. I guess I okay. I sacrificed my myself a lot when I should have been watching that too. Yeah, when I was trying to help my wife, you okay. know, I wouldn't eat right. I'd get up, you know, you get. You don't eat right when you're trying to take care of them because you're trying to keep, take 24 
I mean, I didn't have to do 24-7, but, right. you know, whatever, most of the day. Sure. You know, helping. Yeah. So you forget about yourself. To eat right, sleep right, you get upset because they're sick, and you can't do anything about it. Right. <laughs> it's right. out of your hands. Correct. Correct. So you have to make sure you get your rest and do everything like that. You are a cancer survivor. Right. Two-time survivor. Two-time survivor. Like. So you had bone cancer and breast cancer? Right. And when were you diagnosed with the bone cancer? Uh, the end of 2008. Um, How was it detected? Right before Christmas. Oh my gosh. Well, actually it was diagnosed in November and then I had surgery in December right before Christmas. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. How did you discover you had bone cancer? Um, I had been going to physical therapy for pain in my shoulder and after several months it wasn't getting any better and actually the pain changed. And so my physical therapist did a test and said, you probably have a tear in your rotator cuff. You should push for an MRI. And my doctor hadn't been willing to do an MRI. Hmm. So pushed for an MRI, got that, came back with a tear in my rotator cuff. But he said, what we're concerned about is you have a, a very aggressive mass in your right shoulder. And so you will see a specialist today. And then I went through scans because normally when you have bone cancer, it's somewhere else in your body and it has metastasized to the bone. But fortunately mine was not anywhere else in my body. It was just in the bone. And so they, I had surgery to remove that part of the bone and that was it. I didn't have to have chemo or radiation or anything. Oh wow. Kind of felt like I cheated cancer a bit. <laughs> And so they were able to, that's a really great point that you brought up though, that because there was a mass in your bone, it wasn't linked back to any other type of cancer. Right. Stating that it was like a metastasis of something else. Right. So that's interesting. Was there a test to identify that it was bone cancer or? Well, they said the only way they would know that for sure that it was cancer is when they went in to do surgery. Oh, right. And okay. that proved that it was cancer. Okay. Um, but it was low grade, so they didn't feel like they needed to do anything else. I just went in for scans every six months for the first five years. For the first five years. And okay. now I haven't had a scan in the last five years, but okay. I do go back to him all the time, the surgeon. Yeah. So. So when they did the surgery, did they put in any like pins or needles? Like I don't know much about bone. No, cancer, so they just—it really just was part of my acromion bone. They just basically carved it out. So I have a divot in my shoulder, which is my battle scar, mm -hmm. and uh, that was it. Wow. He thought they would do some recent construction, but then he decided not to do it. So didn't need to. I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. That's what counts. That's amazing. So. Well, congratulations on Thank that. You. Thank you. So. And then. And then at the end of 2017, I found a lump in my breast. I was almost nine years cancer-free and had to start all over, oh my which was really frustrating. Um, my route of treatment was doing chemotherapy first to shrink the tumors because I'm small. Um, chemotherapy was hard on me, though. Uh, I almost had to stop before my end because I lost a ton of weight. <laughs> which I didn't have to lose, so. Um, and then I had a bilateral mastectomy followed by reconstruction, and I'm good. No evidence of disease so far, so, you know, it's always an if. Oh, of course, no, I'm in the same boat too. You know that, yeah. Exactly. Um, how did you discover your lump? Um, I, I say it was a God thing because it was in the middle of the night, I woke up with a pain in my breast, and so I felt around, it's like, oh my gosh, what is this? It was like, 
a large marble size lump. I hadn't, I had missed my mammogram in May, and it was November, um, but they said honestly it wouldn't have made any difference, the time frame. Um, not very good at self-exam, so I hadn't discovered it. But I, the next morning I got a, made phone calls and going in for appointments, and the radiologist, when she did the ultrasound, she said, I'm pretty sure that it's cancer. So, and I, I knew it was. It's like, it's found me again. It's found me again. And then the biopsy confirmed it. Like, yep, okay, what do I need to do? And then she said, you need to pick a, a surgeon, a breast surgeon. It's like, how do I do that? And she said, well, if it were me, this is who I would pick. So that's who I called. And my medical team is fantastic. I love them. They always take the time to talk to me and answer any questions that I have at any time so that's really good advice um, to let our listeners know as well in terms of how do you pick your surgeon how do you start yes. putting together your um, your medical care team right? right because you know it could be your oncologist plus your surgeon some places have like the surgeon that literally removes the tumor and then you have to work with a plastic surgeon right like a third person yeah to come back it's in. all it's, new territory it's like yes. I don't have the faintest idea where to start mm-hmm. so You've had two different forms of cancer, and yet you walk around here like one of the most positive people (laughs) that I have ever seen. You can't stop smiling, can you? Oh, thank you. So how do you do that? What do you attribute that to? Well, I'm a person of faith, and so I have a positive attitude anyway. I'm a glass half full person. I'm a living life person. You know, cancer is not gonna define me. It's not gonna have the last word. Um, Yes, it shapes who I am. It has shaped, it's totally changed me. I'll never ever be the same and I wish that I'd never had cancer but I have met the most amazing people including you guys and made friendships that will last a lifetime I met you know people at relay I just joined a the local pink phoenix dragon boat team which I never ever imagined doing and they're all breast cancer survivors love that and so you know I'm doing things experiencing things that I never would have yeah. without having cancer. You just gave Laura a speech. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, that's good. So at least, yeah, I'll You're have the good, only ones hearing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, I mean, you know what it's like. So it, it totally changes you. There's always that fear of reoccurrence, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna hold me down. Totally. It yeah. held me down for a little bit. And then, you know, I, I kind of drew inward to myself, protecting and trying to heal and recover. And I feel like I'm still recovering. Um, but I have a village that helps me. And that's what matters. That's what it takes is a village. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to support a, a cancer survivor. When When Laura was diagnosed, we went to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I read your notes. We, <laughs> we we went to one of our favorite restaurants the night she was uh, diagnosed, and we had been a strict vegan for seven years, and, of course, we were going to go out for steak that night. And um, we went and <clears throat> we sat in our usual chairs, and the order we ordered up some appetizers, and, and the we were smiling and we're holding each other's hands and 
and the uh, the wait staff was slow to come around with the appetizers and then Laura started to cry mm-hmm. and I, I will <laughs> well, she okay. won't, I don't she, mind hearing it twice she won't <laughs> <clears throat> and so ultimately um, uh, they they walked over and very slowly and, and they were asking about it they thought we were breaking up and I said no no we, we've been diagnosed with breast cancer and and uh, we're here to celebrate and so um, <laughs> ultimately we're, we're here to celebrate life and that's what yeah, we do exactly and uh, and, we, and from that day on it was just an open book and and utilizing our social network utilizing our our community and just expanding that community because everybody wants to help in in some way or another Let's start right now why don't okay. you start off letting me know what your name is? Uh, Sherry Wilmshin. And where are you from? Portland. Excellent. And you're wearing one of the uh, purple relay shirts today, so that means you must be a survivor? Yes. And what were you diagnosed with? I had breast cancer in 1990 and 1998. It was in situ. So in 1990, I had a lumpectomy, and in 1998, I had a mastectomy, and I was on hormone therapy for 10 years. Wow, what hormone therapy were you on? Um, uh, tamoxifen and then another one. Yeah, one of the aromatase inhibitor yeah, ones. It's been so long. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember all of them. Isn't that great that it's been so long? Like, congratulations <laughs> on survivorship. That's thank amazing. You. Yeah, thank you. How, I mean, how did you discover it the first time, if you can recall? Um, so my mother had breast cancer at age 38. Oh, wow. And it was a lump in her breast. and. This was back in fifties. Yeah, it was in the fifties, up into sixty. Um, and so she had one mastectomy. And they were done. They did radical at that point. Yes. Mm-hmm. And radical for the other one. And then they didn't. There was no chemotherapy, so there was radiation. So she had that both times. And then um, when I was twenty-seven and she was fifty, I was about ready to have our her first grandchild and um, it had metastasized to her bones and her brain and oh, she wow. died a month before he was born oh I'm sorry yeah so how I found it out for me um, I just always thought I might have it um, when I had my children I had the same problems she had so I kind of thought the body was the same so it didn't surprise me, but it was because my doctor knew my history. So my primary care, they didn't call them primary care back then. Mm-hmm. Um, he referred me after he saw calcium deposits in my mammogram. Wow. And I went to a surgeon and had the lumpectomy. And at that point, they didn't know that tamoxifen, it was a shall we or shan't we, and I didn't do it. And then um, the same situation in 1998 when they found some more deposits and it had in the same breast okay times. yeah so you like through the mammography then with the deposits right. is like how it was <laughs> yeah they didn't have okay. all the things they have today then they just had mammography so I've been faithful in getting it um, there were some insurance issues at times that they didn't want to do it every year but you know now it's no problem right yeah exactly and you feel great. You're looking great, which is <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. I feel great. I have other problems besides cancer. <laughs> besides. And then I, I Isn't know. that funny? You're like, oh, besides cancer, that, that little thing I had. <laughs> and now it feels like a little thing. Oh. Um, how, um, 
if you can recall too, I find it fascinating um, always because we talk to a lot of women who get diagnosed with breast cancer and we have conversations about how do you tell your children, right? Because, I mean, it's hard for you to digest and then when you have to tell your loved ones, if you can recall. Yeah, the first time my children were younger and my, okay. First time my husband was still living and the second time he was not. So he died in 1992 um, of a heart attack. And so the kids were like 14 and 17 then. Oh, wow. So when I had it again, um, I don't even remember. I mean, they were they were out of high school by then and yeah. starting to find themselves somehow. So we had that conversation. And then my, my biggest supporter though during that was my sister who went to all the appointments with me. Um, because you can't hear it or know it or anything if you're the person being treated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We always advocate and say bring someone with you. Yeah. And yeah. So since that time, then I um, I was involved in Kaiser's um, peer support as a peer support person when they still had it. Um, and then oh, and no, that had, county was a different thing. But yeah. And then I worked with Coleman for a long time when okay. they first did Coleman ever. I was one of the first volunteers here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's awesome. got good memories. Before yeah. there was computers and exactly. you didn't know who had signed up, but you just gave them a shirt. Yeah. yeah. It was very informal. And now you're here at Relay. And yeah. Well, yeah. I worked for the American Cancer Society. Okay. Um, it's been six years, over six years since I worked for them. Wow. But I was the patient navigator at OHSU. Okay. And started it up there. Now, since they've taken it back to the staff doing it at OHSU, but it was really good to go into that. And then I got more information about all the cancers there are. Yeah. And there are a lot worse than what I had. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so like the, we just had a person in our church, and we're a church team, who had pancreatic cancer, and he did, wasn't diagnosed until he just lived a couple weeks, a few weeks. You know, I found out yesterday via email my um, grandmother has pancreatic cancer. Oh, really? And I was like, well, at least I'm going to be at the right place getting support. And, right. you know, it's... That's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. When I went at OHSU, that was one of the first that I didn't understand. And mm -hmm. they have a great doctor up there. So... That's great. I mean, people were living beyond what they thought they would. Anyway, I got a lot more information about the types of cancer up there when I was working up there, and it was good to start a new program mm -hmm. again because I'd done it before. Work. Awesome. Yeah. So that's so, my story. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing Here. it. Do you have any um, like best pieces of advice or like tips for newly diagnosed? Okay. For newly diagnosed or people that have questionable mam mammograms. Okay, questionable mammograms when they say watch it, be sure you talk with your primary care physician in detail to make sure watching it is the best thing. I know there's fibro, fibro and I've had th two or three people in my life that just have experienced that, including my sister, who was scared, and then it came out to be okay. But um, the discussion with the primary care is hugely important, you can't let the radio, and, and um, mammograms every year, saved my life. 
If this podcast was helpful, be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a review in the comments so we know that you liked it. In closing, we would like to thank our host, the American Cancer Society's Relay for Life team, and our leadership host, Angela and Alicia Duncan. It was our great pleasure to partner in this great relay and to serve as a plenary speaker on caregiving and survivorship. You can see our keynote speeches on YouTube in this newsletter on our website. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram at Surviving Breast Cancer Org and check out our Facebook community at survivingbreastcancer.org. And thank you everyone for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on thriving.